0: You just want me to roll in? Yeah. Rolling, rolling,
1: rolling. All it's right. A dog is rolling. <laughs> 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 Rawhide. Rawhide. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo. You're listening to the John Tree Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ.
2: Hello, Welcome. everyone. Welcome back <laughs> to The John Chi Show. I am just steamrolling Nathan, I being KJ, your primary host of The John Chi Show, friend and dictator of the podcast. Oh, now you're just stealing people's titles, too. I am. Uh, you can I call see you did happily. You can call me <laughs> the thief. Uh, with me, as always, is Nathan and... Patrick and Saint wait, Patrick are, Armstrong, R, Nathan and Patrick. That's how English works:
1: plural verbs for plural nouns. Um, how how are you guys? Good. Saint Patty's Day. Not that that really means anything, but I mean, I'm us. sure it means something to some people somewhere. It doesn't mean that much to me personally. Sure. I used um, to have a green beer every once in a while, and that was probably about it. Oh yeah, to avoid that's a Getting thing. pinched.
2: I will say okay. that's a benefit of running remote is. Only my wife will pinch me.
1: <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I. I. didn't know. I started to jokingly pinch my kids this morning too, and then I was thinking, you know, I don't. Want, am I bullying them by doing that? I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't do this. <laughs> you will conform to the St. Patty's Day tradition. i know. I'm like, this is probably a bad tradition. I shouldn't teach them that because now they're going to go pinch some kid and get in trouble. So, I stopped. No pinching. Joking. Well, we are the John Chi Show. Thank you for everyone uh, tuning in. <laughs> you guys look like you're still, you guys just got back from Austin. So I know you guys are, uh, somewhat I mean, it's recovering, been 48 hours. And I'm yeah, still- I was going to say that was like two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, maybe, I go, I I'm a dragon. You guys look a little dragon. That's yeah. all. Yeah.
0: I do look like a dragon,
1: <laughs> even though it's the year of the ox. <laughs> uh, Nathan,
2: what does John Chi mean? And why do we call ourselves the John Chi Show?
1: We are taking the word as feast and celebrate. I guess that's how we are defining it. And uh, we are celebrating our Korean adoption heritage and all that goes along with it. All the fun stories and sometimes the not so fun stories and the culture and the food and all the stuff, you know.
2: I do know. We know now, we you know you now, and if you don't know,
1: now you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are uh today doing a solo. What are you guys up for? I know there's been a lot in the media lately.
0: Technically, we're never doing a solo because there's three of us. I think the
1: we should start trio. calling trio. Sorry, if you want to call it a tr- we're going to switch the nice name to the John trio, trio. Mm-hmm. yeah, trio. From,
2: from the the John Chi boys to the feasty boys to the John Chi trio. Then why did we start calling it solo? Whose idea was that? Uh it was probably mine. Maybe it was Patrick's. I don't know. Patrick's the loudest, so I'm gonna go ahead and give him that idea.
0: I'll take it. Nice. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna take charge of changing it up again.
2: Patrick's being a cool boy and sticking a toothpick in his mouth. And so listeners, I just want you to honk your horns every time you feel like he has <laughs> it in his mouth, and then when he takes it out. So I
0: wonder how many people listen while they're driving.
2: Probably not that many because probably a lot of them are not driving that much. I don't know. I think restrictions are lightening up now, so people. Yeah, are back but to work. does that mean that their workplaces are like come back to us or like nah, just stay remote? No,
1: some are, some aren't. I don't
2: know. All right, well, uh, throw whatever you're folding down on the ground if you are currently working fully remote still,
1: because you're probably doing laundry. I don't know. Or <laughs> working out uh, as we found out. Some people run and listen to our show.
2: Oh, yeah. Or uh, cooking, maybe. Yes, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If you're living your life, do a thing that represents what you're doing uh, if you're listening to the show. <laughs> Is that a good a good call to action? I think so. <laughs> Just basically do anything except tell us what you're doing. We don't want to hear from you. That we don't want to know. We. <laughs> unless you leave not us a like voicemail. We're begging you to pay attention to us by having a podcast.
1: It's fine. This is the worst intro ever. you the worst attention. intro ever.
2: <laughs> Gosh, if you think this you is bad, us? then you you take the reins and you make it a better intro, Nathan. Yeah. is your show.
1: Okay, we I tried, we're just I tried to it. ask what you guys wanted to do. I was talking about celebrating, and then I don't know. And we now we're going off on random tangents. No, you. We, we already
2: had up. a plan in place. We know what we're talking we did have a about, plan in and place. then you were just like, yeah, and we're celebrating. Full uh, stop. Come full on, stop. man there's no handoff there's no is this your first podcast (laughs) pumping the brakes I don't know how to (laughs) hand it off on a topic like this okay here's here's how it goes ready we're gonna knock it out of the park into a very different game that was pretty good
0: A little jarring into the, the baseball sound, but
2: well, you know, sometimes when you it. knock a ball out of the park, it doesn't know that it just left Wrigley Field and landed in the streets and got run over by a semi. Okay, it was just like it just knows that it was on a the streets
0: that it would be the, the streets that that ball would land in would not have any semis on it. Just okay, well, down. you don't know that I do know that well, <laughs> because there's no that, semis that drive in those streets. <laughs> everything
2: that I know about baseball comes from so the sand lot. <laughs>
1: Oh my God. <laughs> the natural. That's it that's all, all cornfield. That's everything I know.
0: We could talk about it, but not today. Not today. <laughs> Wait,
2: are you talking about baseball? Because talk about that, baseball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit the. I'm gonna quit the podcast. You're gonna quit the podcast. <laughs> if we talk about baseball, yeah.
0: If we talk about football, I'm quitting the podcast.
2: <laughs> Which football?
0: Not American. The real okay. football. No. Right. No, I'm just kidding. I
2: like that's real a hot football take. too.
0: Yeah. I hot think it's a hot take. take. It's not like baseball. Actually, I don't really think that's a hot take. I think it's pretty common.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's more boring to
1: me than baseball is golf. Oh, now I'm out. There's some fun. <laughs> there's some fun golf stuff that happens. Yeah, not watching it, but playing it. Nah, the only golf that I want to play is top <laughs> golf. Yeah, top, top golf, golf is fun. And mini golf. Come on, mini golf mm, fun. It's all right. Uh, you ever been duck pin bowling? What? <laughs> what is that? So oh, it's
0: like. It's bowling, but it's like basically miniaturized and you're using smaller balls like this big. The lane is about half the length and width and the ball or the pins are on strings. And so you're just kind of just chucking the ball down. So you, just so you can do it like, yeah, it's just like you have more lanes. It's I don't know. It's fun. Huh. We did it for the I did it for the first time uh, the week of my birthday. It was a good. All time. Right. I,
1: I did a, something similar in Canada. It was like a, a small ball kind of bowling thing. The closest I get to so competitive maybe throwing is throwing axes.
0: So, no. I like doing that too. That's fun. The knives or the little the little stars. I don't Being know if darts. ninja star is li- is derogatory, <laughs> uh,
2: but
1: um, that's what we were calling them. So. At the just, thing.
2: I mean, I don't. I can't. They're şuracans, I, I guess they're just sure can, yeah, they're I just was like throw. throwing
1: stars. I think throwing oh, star. There nice. we go. Yeah. I was
2: like I don't know yeah. who else uses <clears> them besides ninjas, and I Same. also don't know if all ninjas use them. Well, hey, they use them at the Every axe ninja's got to start that somewhere.
1: That's <laughs> true. Trust me, I got one. And <laughs> I used to try to throw that thing and stick it in a tree. Instead, it bounced off, almost hitting me many times. So, Dude, yeah. it's all on the wrist. Wow. You got to get that like wrist very- action. No, it's because I was afraid to make it sharp because of those. Well, then that's never going to stick in the tree. <laughs> well, yeah, but as a kid, you don't think that. You think, which one you want to do? Do you want to get hit with a rebound or, yeah. I'll say you were I'll say you were
0: playing it safe as even as a child, because I think as a child, (laughs) most children would want to make it as sharp as possible. Yeah. Like this isn't sticking. I need it to (laughs) stick. (laughs)
2: I shot my eye I was,
1: out. I was a little safe as a kid, I think. I threw, and at threw, the same threw my time, eye out. Is <laughs> that
2: <laughs> what you'd say? Like,
1: yeah. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of
0: safety and <laughs> oh, other, other stuff. Um, and
2: other stuff <laughs> not related to safety.
0: <laughs> speaking to, about safety and other things, I think one of the reasons that we are... Touching on multiple different topics is so we can avoid talking about what we really came here to talk about today, which is probably something you've seen.
2: Food! I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) Many people talking about recently, uh, as well as the past two years. And that is the ongoing violence towards Asian bodies. Um, We, as of the release of this episode, uh, we are just one week removed from the one year anniversary of the Atlanta spa massacres or the Atlanta spa shootings I guess Um, that happened on March 16th 2021 uh, in which eight people were killed um, seven women six of whom were of Asian descent and uh, well I guess I'll say that KJ and I had the opportunity to go to South by Southwest and sit in on the Dear Asian Americans panel that our producer Jerry uh, was able to host and uh, I think that's why this is really obviously still fresh in my mind. Atlanta is obviously being going to be fresh in my mind anyway, but um, that panel was titled Dear Asian Americans. What now? Eh, wait, what now? Is that yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> uh, we we he were getting mixed there. up on yeah, that buddy. on that a week, later, <laughs> a week later we've already
2: been we've actually already been to the event and we're still like, wait, what is it called?
0: Exactly. Oh yeah, that was that did
1: happen last it's episode. Jerry's anyways. Panel. anyways you guys forty eight um, hours ago. That's okay. That's
0: fair. Anyways, the whole crux of, of the conversation that Jerry had with his panelists, Dion Lim, Nidhi Han, and Muna Husseini um, was a really incredible panel, but they were talking about where we are now in relation to or in where are we at in terms of this ongoing violence towards our community and the people that look like us? Um, have we, are we in a better place? Are we in a worse place? Um, are we in the same place? And I think that it was really enlightening for me because, you know, this is, this is something I think about almost every day. And I feel like especially over the last three weeks now as of this recording, um, it seems like we haven't gotten any better. It seems like we are in a worse place, to be honest. Um, in the last three months alone, high-profile murders like uh, that of Michelle Goh, um, Christina Lee. And then uh, two Mondays ago, we saw a video released of a 67-year-old woman being attacked in her in the foyer of her apartment Complex, uh, getting punched 125 times, stomped on seven times, and those things really make it fe- seem like we're not in a better place, unfortunately. And I think that's, I mean, I mean, everybody's talking about it. I don't think we are going to necessarily shed new light, but I think it is important for us to talk about it, especially in relation to us as adoptees and still being. Asian on the outside, as well as Asian on the inside, but Asian on the outside in the fact that we have to, we are still have to worry about our own safety. And I think that's a question that I've been asking, just like, when is it, when are we going to be safe? When are we allowed to feel safety? And so I guess my question to start off as this, or to kick off the conversation is, I want to ask you both the same thing that they were asking at the panel. Where do you feel like we're at just in your own personal experience? And then I guess for you personally, and then as just as a community, as a society, as a whole. And uh, because I just saw KJ, Nathan, I'll kick it to you. Um, What do you
1: think? What, where, where do you feel like we're at? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm very curious to hear what you get what you did here at the panel and uh, if you got anything good out of it well, but we far- signed an nda so we're not allowed to talk about <laughs> it you can't tell me <laughs> i had to pay the ticket um yeah i i mean after hearing those stories and i i, I mean i've heard those um unfortunate uh, incidents in the news and of course the the statistics of eleven thousand, you know uh anti-asian hate crimes since you know 2020 A lot of stuff is still happening. A lot of things are still not getting better. I mean, it's I'm I'm scared, and I I have the you know the I guess the uh, the knowledge knowing that I am not a woman, and a lot of those crimes are actually happening to Asian women more, and so that's something that scares me mainly for my wife and my daughter when she gets older if these things are still happening, and so that's why I would you know, look to, uh, you know, ha- getting this change, you know, going and what, you know, what I can do and what others can do. Cause I, I, I have no clue. I mean, I'm kind of still in a bubble. I'm still in my little COVID bubble sitting at home, not really going out, uh, occasionally I do, but it's still minimal places. So, um, but unfortunately there's a lot of people that do have to go out, go to work or, um, you know, go to places and yeah, I, I, I'm sad for them. Um, they're living in fear or if they're in areas that uh um you know may have incidents like this happening so um yeah it's sad i don't know so so
0: i uh i have a follow-up to and we can cut this if you don't feel comfortable answering um or if or whatever for whatever reason um but do you and Allison have, have you had any conversations even in the last year, even the last couple of weeks, just about everything that's been going on? Or is that something that's just like, or I don't know, how do you,
1: how do you all navigate that conversation? If you want to share that, obviously. <clears throat> mm, we don't really talk about it that much, just because, like I said, we we don't go out that often. So sure. we haven't really felt it as a, a immediate threat to our, our family specifically. So we, we haven't discussed like... <laughs> Plans or things like that, but I do recall back in the day when she would go out sometimes by herself uh, when she was in nursing school, uh, or even when she was working. Um, this was actually during the pandemic. Um, she was working, and there were some incidents where she she was having a uh, a few, you know, I wouldn't say altercations, but she had some incidents that that uh, made both her and you know myself uncomfortable when I heard about them. And so I know things were happening. And I saw a statistic somewhere too that said, uh, within the last two years of uh, um, you know, this pandemic happening and everything, what one in two women have had some sort of racism incident that has happened to them. Um, and I don't know if that's a, you know a hundred percent factual thing, but it, I mean, again, I'm reading it off of a card on Instagram that I saw. So but if that's if it's that high, that's really scary. Um, I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, even though the racism could just be, you know, racism, it's not an actual physical violent attack. It's still something that is, you know, that, uh, that could cause harm mentally or, uh, is just something that is just shouldn't be there.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think the toll that even a verbal abuse can take is ju- can be just as damaging can be can have lifelong effects you know we wear scars from physical abuse on our bodies that heal in certain ways but we also carry the scars of whatever verbal or or emotional trauma that we experience and we can't see those and it's harder to define how those heal and how we heal from that um yeah so and i totally i I mean i definitely understand not talking about it as much especially if you are staying within your bubble you know you kind of isolate yourselves and and that that in itself even though it's more covid precautions than necessarily like physical safety precautions is you know a form of of protection you know of self-preservation of survival Mm -hmm. and so i i I appreciate you sharing that you know because we never know I i don't feel like we've even talked about that even off air so i appreciate that um What about you, KJ? I know we didn't really, we went to the panel and then you immediately took us to the airport. There was no, (laughs) there was no in between time for us to kind of debrief or break down uh, the conversations that had just taken place. Um, Where do you feel like you're like we're at or like y'all are at personally, you and and Sarah and did anything from the panel specifically stick out to you about like where others think that we're at right now?
2: Yeah. So. Personally, it was really great since Sarah was able to go with me uh, down to Austin and hang out with with you and with Jerry and see all of that and be in these Asian-American spaces, uh, you know, a couple of dinners and then at the panel, and we went to an Asians and Advertising meetup as well uh, before Jerry's thing, and it was really good just because, like, I think seeing, like, our world is generally pretty white Uh, I think by product of her being white and me being adopted and, you know, that just being how it is also by product of like being so near the church for so long, you know, Um, and it was just interesting, like being, I don't know that Sarah has really experienced being in a a space like that, like a, a intentional community gathering of Asian Americans, um and so it was just nice to like on the talk back to talk with her about like what what the three days in Austin has meant for her and for us and um yeah so that was a really good conversation but one of the things that I was struck by with the panel was I feel like at least the for the most part the speakers and I I get the sense that the more the more fair skinned or light skinned or whatever, the more light skinned you are, the more you may feel like this is, I mean, it is kind of new. Um, I don't know. I just, there was a, um, like a sense of like, oh man, I can't believe this is happening to me. What can we do about it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and rightly so. Like, I don't want to downplay what's happening to anyone individually. I don't want to downplay what's happening to Asians as a collective but i I do want to add the importance of understanding of like, I think for the most part, at least what I'm seeing is a lot of East Asians who are uh, freaking out and like waking up to what's happening and and their Asianness, and that being, minority status right and so on the one hand it's really great to see more east asians being loud about being a minority and being um loud about pushing pushing back against you know common stereotypes or or whatever on the other hand there seems to me to be a lack of like learning and a lack of doing it like exploring what materials already exist for what to do next um even from within our own asian american community you know like 21 years ago september 11th happened and Mm -hmm. uh then i think that the the south asians were very keenly aware and west asians are very keenly aware of Everything that's been happening and how to right. how to reckon with this and how before 2001 maybe they would be like oh yeah I mean like we're we've immigrated and we look different but we're American and we do American things and then it all flips on a dime right and so now a new subsection of Asian America is feeling that and I feel like because of the privilege afforded to especially East Asians by their lighter skin or by their you know kind of white adjacency if you will. um there's more shock and there's more like not like i i I guess it feels kind of like a slap to the face like i feel like sometimes when i hear east asians talk about what's happening they feel like they got slapped in the face and like how dare you i don't know you know what i mean i don't know that's that's just how that's my my hot take and so i what i all have to say is i think that there's a lack of learning going on from um the black community from the latinx community from our south asian and west asian community you know what i mean like that there are so many things that have already happened so many things that we can intentionally learn from and continue to grow in um i know that we on the show and people that i'm connected to often talk about how we need to be intersectional and what we stand against and we need to be intersectional and who we're standing for um, but I think we need to be intersectional in our learning too. You know, mm-hmm. like to think that, like that the racism against Asians is categorically wholly different than the racism against Black people um, is maybe just a little short-sighted and unnecessarily walled off. Like obviously it's different, but to think that we couldn't learn from the techniques of the Black communities has been using to um, to push for change and fight for change, and the, like to ignore the partnership. Um, is yeah it's just it just feels a little short-sighted and and i think actually that was some of what i experienced even at the panel was like um because two of the presenters well three of the panelists were east asian and one of them was actually muno is muslim american right i don't know where she's like what her ethnicity is from but like browner (laughs) than than the rest of the panelists um and had more history because she specifically referenced 9-11 it was just like a it was like we were all like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening?" And then she was like, "Oh, you're finally here. You're finally where where I've been for 20 years." You know what I mean? And so I think that that's, that has been a thing that's really struck me in the past year is in the pa- in the past year, why have more maybe just East Asian Americans not learned about like this ongoing struggle like why does our community still feel like we've just arrived at this instead of being like no we've been a part of this for a long time so and i realize like it's not like i'm hanging out with every east asian american in the world or all those things but that's just kind of the sense that i have gotten from maybe the broader conversation and what's prevalent to me uh in the spaces that i'm in
0: no, I think you're I I hundred percent agree. And I think Nydia did bring up well, that's what one of the things I appreciated about what she had talked about was, you know, this violence against our community is not new. And, you know, she specifically referenced the Page Act of 1875, um, which excluded specifically Chinese women. Um, but she i think that was I think that was her response to you know what can we do now? I think that was a question or like what can we do and it's like just like you said, you know we need to be learning because this is not something new that's happened, and I think for a wide swath of asian Americans specifically, you know we can whether you're adopted, whether you're the children of immigrants where however you ended up in this country, I think at a certain point um just as american culture operates is that we have it's been almost more convenient not to learn and so when we're not even learning our own history it makes it easier to not learn any of the other histories like you said you know intersectional learning like to learn about uh the indigenous people who were here before us to learn about the transatlantic slave trade and how um specifically africans were displaced taken from their homes and how all of that all how slavery literally is the foundation for most of our institutions and how all of that is all tied together in a way in in the sense that there is specifically a white supremacy overtone to everything that we are experiencing everything that we're trying to combat And I think that just like you said, you know, when Muna shared her story about um, experiencing abuse and assault after 2001, after 9-11, I did feel like there was a certain bit of like almost shock value that and it's like that was 21 years ago. Like there was a that's this is this is not new to any of us, but I think it's easy for Uh, specifically an overrepresented population. And I'm not saying Asians are or East Asians are overrepresented by any means in any in any media, but as just a statistical number um, or like in in terms of coverage or whatever it might be. um, I think that's something that we see happening. Um, And I think we hear a lot. I think even in the last couple of years, we've heard a lot about that, about, you know, there are a lot of East Asians being attacked. But that doesn't mean that they're the only people like that doesn't mean that that defines what Asian is and that those are the people being attacked. There are a lot of South Asian, Southeast Asians, um, folks from, you know, Pakistan, Middle Asia, those Middle Asian countries that are being attacked as well. And everybody has things going on back in their home countries, too. And I think that's where we can also get better at learning about what's going on, Uh, learning about not only in the present, but what's happened in our histories um, because if we are going to be able to recognize and identify these issues, we have to, we have to be able to look into the past, look at the history of what's happened and be just as aware or be willing and and knowledgeable and willing to engage in those conversations in that history as we are in our own history. And I think it's been really easy for a lot of people, myself included, to, not be involved in that history for whatever reason, you know, growing up in a predominantly white community or feeling, being, um, in a situation in school where you just feel like you have to suppress your, your identity for whatever reason, or you distance yourself, uh, you assimilate in some form or fashion, I think is, that's just what's happened. And I, I, that I think is a product of white supremacy,
1: which, yeah. So, um, so speaking of history, yeah. actually, that brings up something that I, I was actually it just spawned on me that this is something that I've been doing lately. So last year, uh, when I got to Denver, I actually joined uh, uh, an organization, a nonprofit called a- ACEL, which is uh, Asian Corporate Entrepreneur Leaders. And one of the things I've learned in this organization is just all the different cultures, the Asian cultures that they're they're uh, you know involved in. Um one of them was they were talking about the history of the Denver race riot and back in eighteen eighty um here in Denver there was actually um, a big uh, riot, one of their the biggest uh, that happened in downtown Denver and one um, Chinese man actually got hung and so this is this was a big deal Chinatown got burned down, all kinds of things like that. so uh, in one month uh, coming up just actually in April, the uh, Uh, I think it's the mayor is actually apologizing to the Chinese community of Denver. This is like one of like the first times it's like happening where they're actually acknowledging that this happened and, and an apology. And I think there's like some um, there's a plaque that might be getting redone um, because it had some stuff on it that wasn't um, acknowledging the, uh, the death um, and the situation that happened back then. So um, I thought that was very interesting. And again, these are things I've been learning through this organization. So I, I'm very uh, you know, appreciative that, uh, um, that they are helping to educate myself and hopefully others that uh, um, don't know anything about the history of that.
2: Yeah, I just think like there's, I mean, I know for my own learning, there's like civil rights starts in, I don't know, with the Civil War and then goes up to, Uh, You know, the civil rights movement in 1965, and then picks up again in 2015 for me. Uh, That's just like how my brain has worked. And I'm slowly now filling in the gaps between 1965 and 2015. And a lot has happened. And like 2015 only stands out to me because of, I mean, for a number of reasons, you know, I guess that's when... My memories is telling me that's what, like really when the Black Lives Matter movement got started. Um, Even though there have been moments and and killings and right. uh, movements and things like that's just like you know, but like that huge gap is ridiculous. And to think that like things weren't happening with Asian America, to think things weren't right. happening with Indigenous America, things weren't happening with Black America in that time is just so, I mean, naive and short sighted of, of myself. And yet I. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I need to think about that. And I heard on a podcast that like when we talk about like the Civil Rights Act and the Civil Rights Movement, for most people, it stops at 1965, right. But Like we're still talking about it now. Like it is not a thing that that can just go away because we haven't we haven't made it yet, you
0: know? Um, well, and that's how we're force fed history or that's how we're fed history and growing up in school, at least for me growing up in Indiana, uh, specifically talking about in like indigenous peoples. Um, we don't learn about like that indigenous peoples were made up of all of these different tribes, all of these different cultures um, living over here. We learn about Christopher Columbus came over here. They sat down had dinner and it was all good. Um, and then slowly, but, sh- and then I think I can remember maybe one like small paragraph about like the trail of tears. So massive displacement, um and i you know recently i just read uh the indigenous peoples his or an indigenous peoples history of the united states and at the end of the day uh if we but we're never like to your point nathan about um this you said it was the mayor acknowledging what had happened Mm -hmm. until we are able to acknowledge and be accountable uh, as a, as a country, as a people, as a society of, uh, in America, that we, that the way that we obtained this land, the way we found ourselves here in America, any of us, all of us that are here currently was based on mass genocide and displacement of, in, in not even one people, but many peoples, um, until we're able to acknowledge that, Um, there's, there's no, honestly, there's no real path forward in my perspective, just because we were at, so we had a, we were the day before the panel, uh, when we got into Dallas or Dallas, when we got into Austin, we had a dinner, uh, Jerry had organized with a bunch of people, um, different Asian American creatives and, and things like that. And people that he knew, um, someone like from Michigan (laughs) business school, the MBA program was there. (laughs) Um, Well, we went around and and what introductions was you had to say how you knew Jerry because yeah, that's we played how six degrees was. of Jerry. Juan. Yeah, six degrees of Jerry. Juan. Um
1: <laughs> That's funny. When we
0: were kind of sitting at our two separate tables, Jerry, Dion, Laura, and and I were having a conversation, and that's what we were talking about was accountability um, and how all of this, everything that's going on right now, is up is a product or a symptom of this unwillingness to recognize and hold ourselves accountable for any and all atrocities that have been committed. That includes people who are descendants of, uh, which is all of us of the people that have committed such acts and atrocities. And I think that it was just really, it was, it was powerful because I can have these conversations all day, like reading and writing about it, but to sit there and talk with like other Asian Americans about, you know, this need for accountability, not only within the country itself, but even within our own communities, you know, being accountable to ourselves on who we leave out of the conversation, who we leave, who we leave off the table. And I think that another thing too, I think Dion said this, and when it comes to getting the seats at the table, it's like, what do you do with that seat? What do you do once you're in that seat to help further or uplift or amplify or support or whatever it is um, when you have that power? And so I think that, I think on this whole topic of like, what now? Where are we? Are we better? Are we worse? It's real. I honestly think at the end of the day, it's the same. We've made gains in certain areas, but we have lost in certain areas or we've not moved at all. And I think we're, we find ourselves one year removed from one of the most horrific attacks on Asian Americans in this country, still asking the same questions. And to think about it, we've been asking those same questions since 1865 or 1875 with the Page Act, even before then. We've always been asking ourselves those questions. And until we are able to hold ourselves accountable, for any and all of these things, you know, we are going to be sitting in the same spot and we, and it is encouraging to me um, that we're doing things like this, that so many people, more people are raising their voices, are utilizing their voices. But to KJ's point, you know, and to Dion's point about how we use the seat at the table and to KJ's point where we're lacking and maybe our, 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 learning is, is, diving into that intersectionality, diving into those other, to the other communities and and their histories that we need to be working together with in solidarity in order to find that ourselves in that accountable space. So yeah, I don't know. That's just, you guys know that I got a lot to say about it sometimes and I could just talk forever, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know where we go from this point, even in the conversation, to be honest, like, we're here now, and I think that's what we've been with this show specifically. You know, we've always been about uplifting and amplifying. But I guess, okay, let me actually ask you this. I think I have a, I think I have a good question <laughs> for got this. There. I got he got there. He got there, folks. What are here we, we go. What do you think? What do you two think we could be doing better as a show to further this conversation, to better uplift the voices of maybe the people that we haven't? uplifted yet like what do you think we could do better as a show in this arena kj i'll start with you since we started with nathan last time i think
2: the thing with our show is (laughs) we were born out of maybe this is not entirely accurate but the way i think of it is our show was born out of the murder of george floyd um and our show was born in a time when like the race conversation and argument and like i don't know just where america was in terms of thinking about race relations um forced us to be like oh man this is this is where we're at and the rise in anti-asian hate and the confluence for me now the confluence of um anti-asian hate crimes george floyd having to wear a mask out in public uh living in a super white town like all of that forced me into being like oh i'm asian you know but i think what we set out to do was to celebrate and to enjoy and to relish and to cherish and to love our identities in their full intersectional selves and uh to bring guests on to help them and listeners do the same thing, right? To find reasons to celebrate and to, um, to find joy and to love who we are, right? Because as adoptees, we so often feel that imposter syndrome. I talked to, I met, went to a meetup last night um, and talked to um, the president elect of the Dallas uh, Asian American Bar Association, who herself is half Asian. And we were talking about like that imposter syndrome, you know, and I was like, you, and she was like, I don't, I don't know if I feel Asian enough to be the president elect. I'm like, yeah, you are. Of course you are. Who's going to tell you you're not, you know what I mean? Like, like, but that's, that's something that we have to own ourselves. And, um, and so I think our show is born out of like, we are here and we are loud and proud and we love ourselves and all of who we are. Right. And I think that that's what stories do. I think that that's why storytelling is so important, is because when you force someone or encourage, depending on how, <laughs> forceful you want Are you to be, forcing our <laughs> listeners to
1: listen
2: to show. But when you show. when you're able to help someone see you, a person's humanity, then when tragedy strikes, your heart breaks like that's how we gain empathy is we Mm. find reasons to celebrate and to fall in love with people and then when tragedy strikes them we are able to empathize and sympathize and do something about you know whether it's like working so that that situation never happens again or supporting the person to whom tragedy struck in the moment or supporting the person and their loved ones to whom tragedy struck in the moments thereafter. Like there are so many ways that we can help, but it starts with seeing each other as human beings and starts with, um, with empathy. And so for us as a show, for us as listeners, I think it's just a matter of like telling stories, celebrating victories and being loud about those things. One of the, the points that came up at the dinner last night was you know, they're now over 10,000, maybe 11,000. I don't know. There's like way more reports of anti-Asian hate crimes, hate incidents, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, But one argument for that spike in numbers is that Asians are themselves reporting more often than they used to, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not necessarily, I mean, I don't know, but it's not necessarily that It's happening more often, but maybe just that we're reporting more. And I think that that is encouraging to hear that we are finding our voice. And so as adoptees further, like taking our intersectional identities further, it's like, well, let's also continue to find our voice. Let's continue to speak up. Let's continue to give people reason to celebrate and fall in love with us because we're freaking awesome. And then when tragedy strikes, they're like, oh no, but this person is awesome. This community is awesome. I don't want anything bad to happen with them, right? And then we're able to galvanize um, support and galvanize action and galvanize change. But it's because we've made people fall in love with us to begin with. So that's what I would say is the next steps and what we can continue to do. Um, So please love us more than you already do. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Let
0: us us know what we we could do better to earn your love. Wait,
1: wow! Right? Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Got or we'll be organic. <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> How about you? What about you, Nathan? What do you think? No. Or yeah, go ahead. No, oh, yeah, I love what KJ said there. Um, that learning through empathy, and um I, I do think that voices, whether it be our voices, the the guest voices, um other adoptees' uh, voices that we may share on our Instagrams or on Instagrams, as in all of ours. Um, has mm-hmm. been great. I think that um, spreading of awareness is is key because I think a lot of what you you know what people aren't hearing about is are these crimes about the the ones that are being committed about uh, hate crimes or racism or you know there are people that are surprised. I had uh, I had cousins contact me. Um, at the uh, beginning of like last year when, when I, we were talking about the, the rise in anti-Asian hate and they were like, Oh really? I, I hadn't heard that. And again, that, I think that awareness of knowing, yeah, it is happening and it is still happening. And, um, I think that allows people to have the empathy. Um, like you said, maybe if they see it actually happening to stand up and say something or call the police, you know, more immediate because they think, oh, this could be one of those situations and instead of ignoring it or instead of just saying, Oh, you know, not my problem kinds of things like that. So, um, I do think our voices, the, the amount of exposure that, um, that is happening, the president speaking about it, not just, you know, ignoring it, you know, like some previous presidents. It's, you know, I think, yeah, Obama. (laughs) So so I think that is amazing when things like that happen. And, um, you know, that's all I can do is hope that people are listening to us, mostly you guys, but sometimes (laughs) a little bit of me. uh, People really come for you. Sometimes sometimes a little bit of me. They don't come for me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate
0: that. And I think to your point of like learning through empathy, um, one of the things that Muna shared, as well as one of the, someone from the audience got up and, and shared a really personal story. And I think what they both shared was when whatever happened to them happened, uh, the people who came to their aid who helped them weren't just other Asian American people, uh, or South Asian people or, um, but people from within their communities of all different ethnicities, backgrounds, um, who came up to help them in, in, in the immediate, uh, as well as that long-term period. And I think, I think that that really resonated with me because, you know, there, there are those instances, there are people out there already who are doing, who are operating in an intersectional way who are living and and engaging with e- people outside of their communities to to better understand to better develop that empathy that allows us to find the humanity in each other and i think it was really beautiful but also really sad because you don't hear that from you don't hear that in every story and we don't even hear every story to begin with and so it's really important, as we've touched on, and, and as KJ put so eloquently, that we develop that empathy by learning about each other and, and really taking the time to, to make that and, and taking the time and making that effort um, to, to better I- increase our knowledge about each other. So that way we can move together in solidarity and as one.
2: Well, and I think the the important yeah. thing too, like what's what struck me about the two South by things that, that we were able to go to was um, like, I felt like the, what was being said and who was in the room were misaligned because it, to me, it sounded like we, the people who needed to be in the room for what was being said were allies and not the sure. people like, so it just felt like, it felt like a bunch of Asian Americans preaching to the choir. Mm, Um, even, even in the meetup, even, you know, there was some good stuff later on, but initially I was like, I don't need to hear all this. I already know all of this. You know, who does need to hear this though? Some white bosses, you know, who does need to hear this is some white allies or some black allies or some, you know, Mm. whatever that is. And so, and even, even last night, um, you know, we're at this thing, it's hosted by DABA, Dallas Asian American Bar Association. Um, but I was like, it's a, I mean, I was one of two not lawyers <laughs> there. <Nice. laughs> um, and I to so people will be like, oh, what firm do you have? Like, no, I just showed up as I, <laughs> I heard about it on the internet. Um, but it was just like like a branding problem. And I think that's why for us as a show, we want to be intentional about making content that doesn't just celebrate adoptees, but also helps our loved ones get involved in the conversation. Right. Because like, if, if our loved ones aren't aware of what's happening to us then how can they be allies and if we don't mm-hmm. practice having those conversations then how can they be good allies and if we don't like practice having like doing those actions in small spaces you know maybe it's extended family maybe it's just like on your way to walking your kids to school or you know whatever that is like within small communities and how can you expect to do it in big communities right that it takes practice to care and it takes practice to, um, to be an ally. And like, we all have places where we can be allies. And so if we're not doing the bare minimum, which I think is just practicing verbal affirmation and like telling your stories and like providing yourself and your time as a safe moment for one other person who, um, is marginalized in a different way than you. If we're not practicing that in a small ways, then we can't really earnestly go and do that in big ways. So I think that's a like just a call to action for our listeners, for um, our people who stumble across the show, people who know adoptees, people who um, care about any marginalized person or community is practice allyship in small ways so that when the big moment comes, you've already got those rhythms in place.
0: That's beautiful. I think that's a that's a perfect way to end it. Practicing verbal affirmations, starting small, but starting somewhere. Because it's uh, we can't go anywhere if we don't start. So, thank you for that. Yeah.
1: And that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, All we'll right. decide on a, a snack or food item and uh, be right back. Sure. <laughs> Welcome back to... The food portion of the John Chee Show. Whoa. We are going to do a quick food item here today. It quickly, is, quickly. It is Jellylicious. I don't know what else it says on there. I just see the Jellylicious.
0: Ba, 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 ba. Well, it's jelly and delicious.
2: Hey, so it assume. makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's job, made by Lotte. Lotte. Again, Lotte, sponsor us. We're eating your product every time. So, jellylicious
2: watermelon, make my mouth real sour. <laughs> Unless it's not sour, who knows? Know it not. smells like apples. Really? Yeah. I can't uh, even open it. Oh, maybe yeah, yeah, it's it does a pain, smell like watermelon. It's a pain to open. It says it, open. It right? says Weird. open, right? I know, and it's I not open not it really. Easily. No, it's so Yours hard. Here's opened.
1: Yeah, oh, look at that. I'm having trouble. Yeah, it's not sour.
0: All right, I just ate a mint too, so I don't know. <laughs> how this that's is gonna not affect a good chaser.
1: Not like having it today. A terrible chaser. Okay, you don't like it. No, I mean for you. Oh. Alright, looks like a fake watermelon. It looks like a traffic cone. Oh. It's uh, harder than I thought. It's, kinda it's like just... Those, it's thick. Yeah, it's like those peach gummies. There's substance to it. It's not like a hollow. <coughs> don't, don't choke. Hello. I can't give you a virtual Heimlich.
0: That is a bad It's a bad look <laughs> if I choke on a product.
1: <laughs> on definitely cut that, that, less cut than that, cut that. Um, Okay, first one, not bad. Yeah, I mean... I don't. Is, I'm not getting overwhelmingly watermelon, though. But then again, is watermelon ever really overwhelming? Watermelon the,
2: concentrate is the last thing on the ingredients list. I'll say that the green part,
0: that's supposed to be like the rind or whatever, this of the of the watermelon doesn't taste like
1: that. So I'm gonna have to knock it for that. Mm. That was a joke. I'm happy that it <sighs> actually has watermelon concentrate in it, though. What well, also has watermelon flavor? That's higher Uh, up the list. Like, I mean, watermelon, uh, Jolly Ranchers. Don't give
2: these to your kid. May contain
1: milk, soybean, peach, or peanut. Yeah, I know. May, though. I'll take that risk. (laughs) If it says may, May. I'm okay. If it says yes, then no. Fair. Oh, I thought you were going to have a good rhyme for that. If it says may, then I'm okay. If
0: it says yes, then... Then I say nay. Then we say no mess (laughs) with it.
1: That's pretty good with it. He, he ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm not hating these. I'm You're not, not really hating have... these either. I'm like, I can eat this whole bag right now. I'm not loving it. Oh. He's not McDonald's like it.
2: it is not ba-da. jelly-licious to
1: you? How about what's watermelon-licious? This, what's the sad version of that? Ba. I'm not loving it. But it, to, Okay, let's just do ratings, because Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you guys' are thought, thoughts mm-hmm. are on the uh, the flavor. Let, let KJ go first. I think I did it.
2: I think I finally found it. in a minor key.
1: Oh, ba- nice.
2: Da, Wait. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving. Nope. Whatever. I'll figure it out later. Close I'm going to put it in right here. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving this like a two two out of five yeah all right you got to give us a little bit
0: of some reason the first
2: one the first one wasn't that good and it was coated in sugar which was just like but like not in like a fun crystallized way just like in a (laughs) a gross crystallizing like caking almost with it's like caking with a little bit of crunch that's how like the sugar was for me don't love the flavor but i was like okay that's fine i then proceeded to have three more and now my throat feels gross. Like I feel like I need to have something to clear out the gunk, and the flavor gets worse over time. And uh, yeah, I'm like not doing well after eating all of this. So, are you sick? Did you just no. get sick? I I think I like I just gave myself a sore throat from all this sugar and uh, maybe it's not, you're allergic to sugar. Not good. Maybe you're allergic to sugar. <laughs> anyway, so just not that good. I like the flavor's not right for me. It's like a weird kind of gummy. It's not like a traditional gummy. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at.
1: All right, two out of five, Nathan. Wow, I'm not gonna. That's not gonna change my rating. I'm, wow. I'm giving it uh three point75 I can't go to four yet I like it it's better than the you know better than average um it's not overwhelmingly watermelon to me mm-hmm. mm. like I would actually I mean anytime I've ever had a watermelon candy or so it's like this overwhelming artificial watermelon flavor that I don't yeah, even know I where like it I get because like watermelon in general is not overwhelming in in flavor because it's all water pretty much is um, that what they call it watermelon? I think, I don't know. It's a clever name, but so the, the fact that it is, is not that artificial watermelon that I was hoping it was going to be. I'm like, eh, it's just a gummy. Like, honestly, you could give this to me and say what flavor it is, you know, and not tell me. And I'd be like, I don't know. Mm. So that's why I give it a 3.75, but it's higher than the average because it's actually pretty tasty. But, but again, I like sugar. I like salt. So, you know, it's probably why I like it. My dentist will hate it.
2: All right.
0: All right. I'm going to give it. I was going to give it a four. But now as, I, as I'm finishing the package. <laughs> as you're finishing the package.
2: <laughs> are as you kidding me? Were you just way, like. Was,
1: for the listeners. Top, there was top, top, probably. I there was about 15 in here. Maybe. Three maybe yeah, oh so he left.
0: Um, As I'm finishing it. I think and listening to y'all's critiques, I'm like, okay, I actually am on board with almost everything y'all have said about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that it's just... I give it a 3.5. It's pretty... It's just very middle of the road. Mm -hmm. It's not great. It was solidly good when I first was eating it, but as I've eaten more of them, I'm like, it's just another chewy candy. And that's no knock against chewy candy that I like, but... That's how the it's chewy just, candy feels right now. That's, I'm sorry. <gasps> chewy candy, I'm sorry. I think I've been doing a lot of apologizing, <laughs> in, apologizing
1: our, in our trio to, shows. You're apologizing to, che- you need to get some <laughs> of these trio <laughs> shows now. Yeah. Get a um, basket
2: of apples. I that's forget. A, the,
1: that's
0: a Korean joke. Kaja. Uh, anyways, I'm going to go three and a half. Just not in, uh, it's just, the, I don't know what's bumping it up, but probably all of the things that you said.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wait, bumped it up?
1: No, well, I what don't know what would up. bump it up. Yeah, uh, like I, I said, okay. watermelon flavor. I think maybe less sugar on the outside, like maybe said. Maybe a little too. less sugar. Yeah, because yeah, get all on my watermelon keyboard or all chili. my
0: laptop. Because I'm taking them out right next to it mm-hmm. for some reason, mm-hmm. and then bringing it like
1: sweeping around. Mm. I mean, I mean, like those peach jelly rings actually have sugar around it too, and the the thin the little peach rings. I think but we like honestly, those like- more. But, like, honestly, just a regular gummy bear? That's a sugar enough. honestly. its I mean, yep. why do you have to coat it in sugar, too? Yeah, right, that's last what one. I'm saying. Gross. <laughs>
2: Still 3.5. Yeah,
1: wolf. Well, sorry right, to Patrick's well, dentist. I do have to go to the dentist at the end of the month. <laughs> um, It's fine.
2: Patrick, it's, take us out of here.
0: It's fine. It's, it's <laughs> fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. Um. All right, well... For this upbeat music, I just want to thank everybody who was here today and who listened and tuned to this episode. I feel like we had a really great conversation about some really heavy stuff. So um, if you want to continue hearing us and listen to us and and find us and interact and engage with us, you can reach us at any of the social medias at John Chi Show. We are always accepting emails of any kind. Uh, You can send that to John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we would be happy to play that on the show for you. You can reach that at 972-677-8867. Um, if you want to support the show in any way, we've got multiple ways on our website, Johnchishow.com. last but not least, we would really love it if you could go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you podcast podcasts and leave us a rating and or a review. Uh, means a lot to us and it really helps the show in general um as for us personally you can find me on instagram at patrick in the world
2: you can find me at and on instagram yeah you can find me at kj wherever you want to be found also if you want to be a guest on the show you Ooh. can i don't remember how i'm pretty sure it's I, mean, I know it's bio. on our link tree yeah it's the link in yeah. bio on our instagram uh it's probably other places too but yeah we'd love we'd love to for you to be a guest doesn't it just just apply that's all. Just apply. You know, just apply. We've got, we've got some good guests coming just up. Just apply, but. and if
0: you don't hear from us, just wait longer.
2: You <laughs> see all of the emails, but we're bad at emails. Blame me. So that's that's where it's at. So it's all fine. Yeah. Anyways, can't um, wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Until next week. John Chi. Hey-o. Hey oh